Are you a man looking for an intensive program to help you overcome sexually addictive behaviors? Gateway to Freedom is your answer. Gateway to Freedom is a three-day workshop for men seeking to overcome any destructive sexual habits. Whether married, single, or divorced, Gateway to Freedom will help men regain hope for a new life of purity and real contentment. The workshop is conducted by experts in the field of sexual addiction recovery with decades of combined experience. Read testimonials of workshop alumni at at gatewaymen.com. Get all the info and register online at gatewaymen.com or call 1-800-49-PURITY. Hi, my name is Jonathan, and I'm the founder of the Gateway to Freedom Workshop. I want to invite you to join us at our next workshop coming up August 10th through the 12th in Florida, just outside the most magical place on earth, Orlando. So call us today at 1-800-49-PURITY. That's 1-800-497-8748 or visit gatewaymen.com. Good day, radio listeners. Welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. We're glad to have you here with us. My name is Jonathan, and we've got some special guests with us. We have Steve and Jamie Weichman on the line with us. So, Steve and Jamie, thank you guys so much for being on the show. Thank you. Thanks. Good to be here. Now, we are going to get to hear from Steve and Jamie about their story, but before we start that, um, I just want to let you listeners know, as we do every now and then, that we are a listener-supported broadcast, and that means the only way you're hearing us or seeing us is because we've had just generous and faithful partners over the year come along and and support us uh, through financial contributions, through volunteering, for through different ways in which they can uh, you can help us to continue to expand this message of hope and healing that we have in Jesus. And so, if you'd like to learn about the ways that you can come alongside and support us, just go to puresexradio.com and click on the donate link. Well, Steve and Jamie, I would love for you guys to. Uh, for our listeners to be able to get to know you all. So why don't you share a little bit about your story, just kind of your history, um, just how you guys have kind of gotten to the place you're at now, both individually, but then also certainly in your marriage, because obviously, as we're going to learn in a little bit, you guys just have such a passion for marriage and, and what that means to um, to your lives. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your story? You're going yeah. first. <laughs> okay. Well, um, we were going about our merry way in our life. We both raised, were raised in the church. Um, Steve had been a pastor for, I don't know, 13 years or so. And, um, and we're starting to just uh, carry the weight maybe of life and ministry. And we're, things were just getting heavier and heavier. And we were wondering, surely, surely Jesus has more than this heaviness. And we, we got to the point that um, Steve was really burning out in ministry, and we were both worried he was going to leave um, through a hospital, <laughs> either through a heart attack or maybe even a mental breakdown or something. It just mm. got hard. Um, and that's when God put all sorts of interesting pieces in our life that we, I, I just think he was um, reaching in in whatever way he knew how to get our attention and to maybe draw us towards some freedom. Uh, and, and it was interesting, Jonathan, that um, I remember at the, at the time we got to that, which leaves a whole lot of the story, like how we met and all that way back in the past. But as we got to, to that point where I was just feeling like when I come home, I loved home. Home felt good, but it, I, I was blah. And there wasn't much left to me. 
And I remember being uh, a little jealous of Jamie and where she was in relationship with some of her friends and with God. But when I look back now, I see that God was preparing her for getting me ready to make a, a, a really big leap that we're both firstborns. So we do everything by the book. We're both planners. Nobody ever worries about us. And nobody, yeah, our parents, <laughs> our parents always said, we don't check in with you because you guys are okay. Um, and then it was in 2015, January 2015, that I resigned my position as a pastor. We sold our house and the two of us and our four kids um, all hit the road for six months um, to wait on God and see what he was going to say to us and what he had next for us. Now, I love y'all's enthusiasm, <laughs> you know, but we got to back up because it's like, okay, we want to get to the good stuff. We want to get to like all that God is doing now, but I think we need to set the stage in terms of the context because it's been a long road. And so mm -hmm. why don't you, uh, Jamie, or, or Steve, why don't you share with us just some of your history related to sexual brokenness mm -hmm. and some of the things that you were maybe dealing with or maybe not dealing with even during those years as a pastor? And, and where did all that begin? Because, uh, you know, um, I can imagine some of our listeners are going, okay, wait a second. Steve sort of just jumped over that. Well, that stuff happened way back, you know, when we first met. and all. We want to get to that. We want to hear that uh, because I think it will help establish why are you all so passionate now and why are you guys so excited? So, Steve, why don't you take us back yeah, in your own yeah. story and, and give us a little bit of a detail on that? Well, as, as Jamie said, we, we both grew up in the church. So I, my, um, my family was just super involved. And I went to a school that was at my church from kindergarten through eighth grade. Um, all of my best friends were there, small group, uh, uh, very close-knit group of people. And um, I would say uh, I, I always thought that probably somebody I was going to school with was going to be my wife someday. And that was not the case. Um, uh, we were just so close. And as I got older, I remember going through the dating time, especially when I went off to college, and I got real lost during that time. And I, there was so much about what I grew up with in the church that just never really talked about that. Um, it wasn't really a part of, you know, we, we learned about Jesus, we learned about God, we learned about family and respecting your parents, but there wasn't a lot of discussion around dating or sexuality or anything like that. Um, so I remember the day her family came to church. I was in college and I remember her walking in with her sister and I was like, oh, wow, I want to know them. <laughs> and um, unfortunately, I asked her sister out first. <laughs> we went out once um, and it was pretty clear pretty quickly that the one that I wanted to ask out was Jamie. And so um, God gave us some time to get to know each other. Our families got to know each other really well. And um, that's actually how we courted is we actually, our families became friends first. Mm. It was refreshing. It was very different than any of the dating I had done, um, which I would say ended up in a lot of brokenness. Um, yeah. Now, before we, before we go too much further than that, I want to now flip over to Jamie and, and why don't you take us from your history to that point then of when you met Steve, kind of what was your background uh, what were some things that maybe were part of your developmental stages regarding 
dating or just the environment you grew up in regarding issues of sexuality and all of that. And then we'll get to what was it like when the two of you started building a relationship? Yeah. Okay. Um, so I grew up in a very, very strong church family. Well, my mom was really strong. Um, my dad was, uh, you know, he showed up. He led the um, the basic prayer at mealtimes, um, but we were we were at church all the time. We went to a church school, um, and I think I was raised really under the weight of the the rules of religion. Um, do this, don't do this. Well, mostly don't do this. Right. And um, I worked really hard not to do that. So everything I was pretty clear on not doing, I tried really hard not to do. Um, there's a lot of gray area <laughs> in there. Sure. And, um, so as far as dating and sexuality, I remember being pretty flirtatious, uh, growing up, um, seemed like a good, safe way to get attention. Um, I didn't know anything bad about it. Like as soon as a guy got too interested, I made sure I gave him the cold shoulder so he would know I didn't mean more than that. Cause that rule was clear. I actually got that yeah, <laughs> when, exactly. first started, when I first started trying to get close. <laughs> So. I remember asking some of my leaders at some point when I got into high school and started dating a little more and guys were more interesting to me at that time. I remember really trying to pin my youth directors and some of my Christian school leaders on now, where exactly is the line? Like, I know you're not supposed to have sex, but I was starting to dabble in some things that were start I was starting to feel a little guilty about. And I was like, but where is the line? Mm. And nobody would ever give me a line. Um, so I wish they had, because I think I would have done some things differently if I had known a different line. Yeah. I don't, so that was kind of the way I interacted with all that growing up. So then obviously Steve, you know, flips out when he sees you and meets you and starts <laughs> pursuing you. What was that then? What was your response to that? I mean, how did things begin to develop in that? early stages of the dating relationship between the two of you? You know, I think we had both um, made enough mistakes by that point that we wanted to do this one right. Um, and so we were, we were really pursuing God in our relationship. But like, I actually moved home for the summer to go on a mission trip with him and to to, I'm like, this could be, he's a good guy, like a good guy. I was trying to talk myself into liking a good guy. <laughs> Um, but it was so scary to like a good guy. <laughs> I had a lot of fear about, um, I had a lot of low self-worth. So and what so was, so was that, what was, I'm, I'm curious about how the, your self-image played into maybe the struggle of liking a good guy, or were those two distinctly different things in your mind? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, like, in My, other words, what was the fear behind liking a good guy? Oh, yeah. So if he saw me as I really was, there's no way he'd like me. I knew it. I knew eventually I'd do something that would hurt him or show him my real self, and he'd leave. So that was the maybe part of the connection between the self-image issues of seeing yourself maybe through a shame grid, I'm not good enough, fill in the blank, you know, whatever was the way you would down yourself. And then you thought, okay, if he ever saw that in me, then he wouldn't want me or he wouldn't continue to pursue me. Totally. Yeah. 
Totally. Now, Steve, on your side, did you have any kind of shame grid yourself in terms of of um, either self-image or just how you saw Jamie or how you – did you have any fears going into the relationship? What's really interesting is my – I've not heard the word shame grid before, but mine was so deeply buried it didn't come out till later in marriage. Okay. <laughs> I was very confident. Um and I really liked her, and I was con- I was way more convinced that she was the kind of person who would be a good wife than she was. And so I actually would get frustrated with her of how she felt, how she talked about herself. Um, but God somehow, I, I don't know about how, but he kept me patient, um, somewhat patient during that time. And and allowed me to keep pursuing her, which is actually what ultimately, when she broke up, not even that we were really, I'm not sure you would ever consider that we were dating at that point, but she finally said, I'm not, I don't want to go down this path. And um, I cried so hard, I lost a contact and had to drive home without being able to see (laughs) all that kind of stuff. And then, so wait a second here, Jamie, what, what, what happened? So how, how long is this into the sort of quote-unquote dating or semi-dating that you put the brakes on? Yeah, so I our first date was in December, but I moved home for the summer. So if I was in college, so, you know, May, I moved home, and I said, I'm going to give this guy a chance. And we spent a lot of time together that summer, um, just good time. And it was late July when I finally said, I have tried so hard to like you, and I don't like you. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So, well, now we know why you lost a contact, Steve. Uh, <laughs> how did you, so obviously, Steve, that's devastating to you, right? Yes. Yeah. So what happened next? So I, um, it's funny because we kept track of most everything. The week after this is really hard to figure out exactly what happened, but I stayed near. I know. Let me answer. <laughs> He's not remembering. <laughs> So that I was, was that was like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was like a Thursday or Friday night, um, and I said, "I maybe we can just still be friends, right?" He said, "I don't think I can do that," and I'm like, "Figures, right?" So Sunday morning, he came up to me and he gave me a letter. Do you remember the yeah, letter? Yeah, I do remember the letter. The yes. letter is what made all the difference. The letter said, "You did okay." This was not in his words. What the letter said to me was, "The meanest thing you could ever do to me." has not made me run away. I'm still here. Mm. So, um, and so for me, all of a sudden, I, he became safe to me after that day. And things moved very quickly after that. Very, yeah, like the next thing you know, we were dating, like she would say we were dating, and we were engaged by the end of September. So, wow, that is quick. Yeah, but it, it took six, seven months of keeping trying, and then ultimately her saying, I don't like you and me staying near that she was like, oh, okay, it's safe to tell him who I am and he's not going to run away. So, and so, and so now let me ask you then, Steve, um, what was it like for you? Because obviously, you know, one of the foundations of a healthy relationship is how you were able to communicate with one another about your weaknesses and about mm-hmm. your brokenness. So it sounds like in some, in some way, the dam broke a little bit for Jamie in maybe being able to feel like it's safe enough to share about maybe her weaknesses or some of her brokenness with you. 
was that reciprocated from you, Steve, in terms of being able to feel like you could share with Jamie about yeah. your own brokenness? So at the level of maturity that I was at at the time, yes. I, 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 like I was pretty open with her about where, what, who I was, what my, my sexual history, which was, um, I was not, that, that I was not proud of that. Um, and, but I was like, she has to know these things about me. It's the more core things, like maybe my view of myself, the things that I'm most afraid of. I don't think I even knew what those were then. And it was actually, um, marriage and then kind of where we jumped into bam at the beginning of ministry life and the pressures of ministry life really brought out stuff that I think was way down deep inside of me that I had no idea was there. Um, and that's now very safe, um, for us to share, although hard because yeah. you have years of doing it a different way. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's important for, for couples out there to hear is that, there is this there's this twisted notion of of love in our culture when it comes to marriage in thinking that if you just have the feelings right and your intentions right that everything will just be beautiful and wonderful and work out and not realize the intentionality that is required in the regularity of communicating about really hard things mm. and i think that that's something you're you're maybe that you're exposing that was part of that, those early, you know, yeah. seasons of your relationship that maybe you hadn't quite understood on the level that you understand now is that there's hard work involved. It's not, and even when you're, even when things are good, it doesn't mean that it's not difficult. Right. And that's something that right. I think is missed in the culture a lot of times. Yeah, that's definitely been our experience. And I would say, I mean, th this is, a gross over-exaggeration, but I would say the early years was really Jamie coming out of that view of herself as not worthy of having a, a good husband or whatever. And in the last number of years, it's been me really learning the fears that drive my negative behaviors and um, that I just never really knew. I didn't even, I probably felt them but I think I, I ignored most of that. Mm. Just kind of yeah. like most men, probably if I just work harder, that'll go away. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But, and, yeah. and then the thing is, is that then we, as men, a lot of times we do that, but we don't, we put all our energies into the, the wrong area of work. Mm. <laughs> we, we put all our energy into like career yeah. instead of realizing that, well, actually where I need to work harder is my relationship. Yeah. Yeah. So let's go back to the, you guys eventually get married and then yep. take us from there. Like what is that first year or two like in terms of d developing the relationship as a married couple now? Yeah. So nobody ever warned us how hard it was going to be to get married, <laughs> to be married. <laughs> that first, that year. first year was so hard. <laughs> yeah. And she, she was a school teacher and she had to leave. What time did you leave in the mornings? I don't know, seven or something. Uh, uh, oh, I thought it was earlier than that. And I was a youth director, and so I was up late at youth nights all the time. So our, we had opposite schedules, and 
there's just all that stuff that, you know, like, hey, you, did you know you tap your toothbrush three times every time at the end when you've written? That kind of annoys me <laughs> and that kind of stuff that that first year was really um, an eye opener. I still think at the end, of it, I, I feel like we grew closer and we loved each other. But probably the most one of the most surprising things to me was um, the sex was not easy. Mm-hmm. And that's probably where I first started to feel a little bit ashamed is like, I feel like I should be better at this and was not. <laughs> and, and so, and I didn't want to say anything about that. just felt it. And so. I think that's something important to, for, for couples out there to hear too, is because again, this false romanticism that we have, you know, put out there through media and all other kinds of things that makes it even say, well, sex should be easy. There should be no, difficulties. Everything should just work out great. And the the problem is, is that we have often reduced the expectation of sex to a single outcome, which is mind-blowing orgasms. Yeah. And not realizing that when we put the issue in the act of sex into the larger context of what God calls in terms of oneness in a marriage— all of a sudden, it's part of a much fuller and richer and bigger expectation. So it's not, hey, it's this kind of narrow physical act that has to result in a physical pleasure. But it's like, wow, what does that look like in terms of the context of oneness? Now, I don't think there's any couple in their first marriage that has that kind of an understanding of the overarching implications of what sex means in marriage. So let's also be careful not to impose shame on our own histories yeah, yeah. or shame on t- on those who are maybe experiencing that difficulty in their marriage. Yeah. yeah. And I think some, I don't remember when I started feeling this, but I, I remember at some point in our marriage, sorry, looking at it more of like exploration mm-hmm. is like we get to explore each other, all of each other. Um, and then, then there's something more of a, um, adventure to it they and, and and when you're exploring it's not about getting something right or wrong it's about learning more it's discovery right discovery. yeah and and i remember thinking that at one point but um it's still very limited to s- certain aspects of our relationship that i think has changed dramatically as we've gotten older is that there's a lot more of this other person to explore and some of it's scary because yeah. it's so different, so different than the way i see the world so now, Steve, I'm hearing a shift in you when you got into marriage in terms of, hey, you you said that you had been kind of this confident person, and now you're realizing, hey, things may not always come as easily as I had first expected. Now, Jamie, you had said that kind of your grid before was some, some pretty heavy um, negative self-image issues. So what were some of the challenges that you faced or maybe some of the shift in perspective that you were facing in these early months and years of marriage? Uh, yeah, so it's probably there's there's probably two like opposite ends of the spectrum maybe. Um, one is I I finally found a safe place, somebody who felt like um, he when I was mean he would still love me, he wouldn't run away. I there was a sense of safety there that I hadn't experienced before that was freeing, for sure. But I think I was under such a performance mindset, uh, like I would if I was critical or snippy, like I would see in his eyes that I was critical and snippy, (laughs) like 
So when you see yourself reflected that way in someone you love, like I had just been getting away with that. Mm. And he looked at me like, I can't believe you said that. I mean, he wasn't mean about it, but I'm like, oh, wow. I felt meaner than I had known I was. So um, that was hard. It was hard to see myself that way. Yeah. Now then, um, so Steve, you're in ministry. Jamie, you're teaching. Obviously, you know, life is happening. You're, you're both working. Um, kids come into the picture at some point. How did that dynamic shift things in your relationship? Yeah, um, so we, we spent one year married, um, and that's when, um, in a really weird decision, uh, decided to go to seminary. Um, and so we moved from our hometown where when we went to church, we went to church with my parents, her parents, her sister's family, my sister. We all sat together and we left and moved to the Midwest. And then within a year, started having children. Um, and so that was, those are all huge changes. I'm, I went back to school, jobs were very small, and we started having kids. And um, there was a part of it, Jamie was really ready. I was afraid because I didn't feel like I was at a point where I could provide because mm-hmm. uh, I'm going back to school. And so uh, that was a, a, a big, that was a big scary leap um, for me um, once kids came along, I was even more scared. Like, am I, did they let me take this baby home? Did anybody check my credentials? You know, right, yeah. I, I suddenly felt way in over my head. Um, as every parent does. Yeah. Yeah. You're just like, <laughs> so now, so now Jamie, Steve just said that, you know, you felt, you felt ready for kids. So then when, when kids did come along, how did that affect the attention to your marriage? You know, cause because, hey, you know, mom juices start flowing, and it's like everything gets focused on kids. And that's rightfully so. They need, they demand so much attention when they're little. But as we see so many times that even with the wonderful gift of children, it can have sometimes a difficult effect on then the marriage relationship. So what was that like for you as a mom? Yeah, I, I probably probably didn't even notice that I had shifted my, the full weight of my attention to the children. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm sure I did. And then was when he would come, we kind of compartmentalized work for a lot, a lot of years. Um, not a a lot of overlap. You take care of this and I take care of this. So I took care of the kids and he would come home and I would probably have to dump on him and I would need him to carry the weight of that. But I'm not sure I was really looking to connect as much as I thought I was. I just needed to, um, somebody else to help carry the burden of parenting. Yeah. So we are actually, we've only got a couple minutes left. And what I would love to do is at this point, I would love for you kind of thinking of where we've gotten to in your story at this point, sort of, Hey, you guys have come from your histories. You've come together. You've got kids. There's all these stressors that are going on. Certainly we bring all of our, our own brokenness into our relationship with our spouse. Right. What would be some things that you would offer as just points of encouragement for maybe couples that are sort of into that stage that you were in at that point? What would you offer as just, you know, Jamie, you to a wife out there, Steve, you to a husband out there, just as a point of encouragement as we as we wrap up? It's harder than you think it should be, and it doesn't mean you're doing it all wrong. Mm. <laughs> some things are just hard. Yeah. 
and I would say that the, the things that have um, pulled us through the most, um, one has been we've been able to be honest with each other. Um, but the other has been there's been key moments. God has put other people in our lives. Yeah, like when I'm thinking of those times at seminary, uh, some of our best friends still to this day are from that time. Mm. People who um, we get together and the girls would talk and me and, and the guys would talk while we're grilling and we could dump some of that stuff. I and mean, we're all having kids for the first time. Mm. <laughs> and um, we weren't alone. We weren't alone. And it really helped. And they were people who pointed us back to the goodness of God and yeah. helped us helped us walk through the muddy parts, the hard parts that we didn't know. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. So one of the things that as we wrap up here, I'm, I'm hearing you say, Jamie, is that just because something's difficult doesn't mean that it's wrong or bad. Sometimes it's just difficult and it's OK. And what I'm hearing you st- say, Steve, is that it's critical even in our marriages, that we have strong relationships with others. Sometimes we we can kind of get into a tunnel vision, even in our own marriage, where we start thinking either everything is difficult, everything's bad, everything's going to... And we need perspective sometimes from outside to say, hey, don't forget to look up. God's still with you. God is still good. Um, As we finish up here, how can people learn more about your ministry and get connected with you? Because there's a whole lot more that I want to unpack, and I want you guys to come back next time and share the rest of the story and then also a little bit more about your ministry. But how can people connect with you guys? There are uh, two different ways. We have our story at dropnets.com, D-R-O-P-N-E-T-S.com, and that's where our story is. Um, especially the big part of leaving. And then the other place is breathelifetoday.com. Is, is our ministry is called Breathe Life. And that's the ministry we're doing for Christian leaders and their spouses. Awesome. Well, thank you, Steve and Jamie, for being on the program. Our pleasure. Thank you. And listeners, we're always glad that you're with us, and we look forward to having you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.